you know it's Friday, and sometimes on Friday we talk about space. Uh, today we're going to be talking about a really interesting conversation about uh, where we might end up when it comes to that moon mission. You know the Artemis moon mission? We've talked about that before, kind of, sort of, kept track of it. Um, the Artemis 1 mission has wrapped up, but there's a bunch more planned. There's a whole sequence, and ultimately, if it all works out according to plan, uh, it would culminate in humans being back on the surface of the moon once again. And, you know, humans being human, we're starting to think about, you know, not only economic economic opportunity, but necessity in terms of what can we do to use the moon, um, you know, if we're going to have people there and if we're going to have people sort of using it as a stop-off station, we're going to have to learn some things. We're going to have to do some things, and that might involve mining on the moon. So let's get into that. We're going to have a conversation with Heather Exner-Perot. Heather, uh, I'm pretty sure has been with us before, um, a senior fellow at the McDonald-Laurier Institute. Hi, Heather. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Let's just outline why we're having this conversation in the first place. There's a lot of renewed interest about going back to the moon, right, from from all over the world, not just the Artemis mission. Yeah, that's a very, very good place to start. So, yes, we do have Artemis. You know, we did have that successful uh, launch uh, last in, in December. And we are planning on having a permanent base there by the 2030s. And so that's kind of already being planned for and setting stage for. At yeah. the same time, Russia and China announced in 2021 jointly that they're going to do the same, that they also want to establish a permanent base on the moon. And so now we're starting to feel a bit of pressure about a space race. Exactly. A, a renewed space race, which we haven't had for, you know, 50, 60 years. But if there's any chance of this being successful, regardless of which country actually manages to establish a base on the moon, we need to find out how we're going to live there, right? I mean, and that's going to involve getting resources from the moon. That's sort of, we need to figure that out, don't we? Exactly, and and because we want to have a permanent base there. So when we talk about moon mining, I think people think, oh, we are, you know, we're trying to, you know, bring iron ore, copper from the moon back to Earth, and and you know, it's expensive even to make money off of iron and copper on Earth, let alone bring it back to the moon. <laughs> but that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what most people are talking about. We're actually talking about the moon mining to support that operation right on the moon. So if you're going to have that permanent presence, uh, trying to get oxygen, trying to get hydrogen from the ice that does exist, the dust that does exist on the moon so you can support that permanent base right there so i mean it's mining like you say it's maybe not mining for minerals but it's mining uh, i'm just wondering you know it's obviously that's an extreme environment uh, the most extreme i think uh, more extreme than anywhere on earth but thinking of canada and some of the expertise that we have when it comes to mining here is any of that applicable i mean do we have a slight advantage over some other countries maybe well this is where i do think we have that that competitive edge so, you know, NASA is leading the Artemis mission, uh, and that's fine and good. But the Canadian Space Agency has been a great partner with NASA. They've done great things together. And if you were thinking of, you know, what is the best role for Canada to play? How can Canada support this? I think you would have to think, well, the mining aspect, where we have excellent mining expertise. We know how to operate in remote, um, you know, locations. And we also have pretty good space expertise, too. Everyone's familiar, I think, with the Canada Arm, uh, and that's, you know, remote operations yeah. in space. And so all that kind of combines to think that, you know, we probably have the talent um, and the intellectual property uh, to be able to be leading in that space mining space, I would say. In terms of... Um Obviously, you and I are talking about this. The people involved with these missions have thought about this. What kind of work is being done to sort of make sure that that kind of planning is done? I, I know we spoke with somebody before who talked about we're going to have to build roads on the moon, and that was a conversation that we had. So what about, um, you know, this kind of extracting the resources that we're talking about? Are they already working on that? 
Well, people are working on it, and that's where, you know, my co-author is actually a space miner. You know, he's the CEO of the Canadian Space uh, Mining Corporation, yeah. where he's been thinking about this. And, and you know, it sounds a little, you know, pie in the sky far off, far off that, you know, in the 2030s we'll have a moon base. But in terms of setting for mining operation, that's only 10 years. And I think we're all familiar, you know, it takes on average longer than 10 years in Canada to set up a space mining operation. Just think about the logistics, what equipment you're going to have to get to the moon, how you're going to get it, um, all the technical aspects of it. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a very tall order to figure out moon mining from, you know, in the next 10 years. So we absolutely have to start today. Work is being done. The Canadian Space Agency is supporting some of this work. Obviously, NASA is also supporting some work uh, and starting to, you know, trying to, you know, get the entrepreneur and and the academic community to figure out this problem so that we can be ready for that permanent base, you know, in the early 2030s. And like you say, it's it's a big job and it's never too soon to start. One thing you mentioned in the piece that you wrote that I thought was really interesting is what about energy? And you talk about nuclear fusion and the new discovery that was made around that and how that could be huge to making this a, a success. Yes, yeah, so I think in the near term or medium term, 10, 20 years, what we're talking about is space mining, moon mining to support moon operations and space operations. But there is one element that may make economic sense to bring back to Earth from the moon, and that's helium-3. So it's helium with um, just one neutron. Um, so it's an isotope of helium from what we have. We have almost none of it on Earth. But there's quite a bit of helium-3 on the moon. Why it is a valuable element is that it can be very useful in fusion. And so right now, we have our, our nuclear sector is powered by fission. Where you break up something like uranium into small pieces. But fusion takes a very light element and, com- and, and fuses it together. If we use helium-3, uh, you can produce all this clean energy with no radioactivity. So we're not ready for fusion yet. We probably will be in a few decades. And again, theoretically, 200 tons of helium-3 could provide a, a year's worth of global energy needs. So each ton would be worth billions of dollars and actually make economic sense to bring, you know, haul it from the moon to the Earth. All sounds like it's possible, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And, <laughs> I mean, you know, when you think, I can't believe that we were, you know, had men walking on the moon in yeah. the 1960s. Uh, and how much technology has improved. So um, it may seem, you know, may seem far out there for, you know, some of us social scientists, but I can assure you that the, you know, the engineers are working on it and it's possible and it's going to happen. Oh, for sure. I agree with you 100%. Heather, great stuff. Thanks so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.